It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. And I think about questions that we've taken over the last couple of months where people have tried to look in their crystal ball and they've asked me questions fearing that we're going to have enormous inflation in the United States moving forward, that we're going to see what's known as galloping inflation or hyperinflation because of all the money the Congress is spending and all the money the Federal Reserve is essentially creating to deal with the economic fallout from coronavirus. And then on the other hand, I've had a number of people ask me, are we going to have deflation where prices collapse on things? And I have explained why I don't fear either of those things. But new data out today gives support to both of those fears that people have asked me about. I don't know if you heard, but grocery prices in the latest data went up by the highest amount they have in almost 50 years. And then overall prices that we're paying fell to a point that is the greatest drop since right after the Korean War. So we've got these extreme things happening right now and I'll tell you that the significance of both for the U.S. economy moving forward is likely meaningless because if you think about the unprecedented massive disruption we had with the economy where we had roughly 25 percent of the American workforce go unemployed in a matter of weeks nothing like that ever has happened before and why did it happen because of a health event the health event is not a forever thing and we will overcome this health event and we'll do it in different ways and stages it's not going to be like a clear clean line but we will overcome it so you look at what's happened Americans who ate a huge percent of their meals out suddenly in huge numbers discovered these things called supermarkets and the absolute demand for grocery shopping skyrocketed and what happens when demand greatly exceeds supply because you have these supply chains that exist that can't pivot to suddenly create much more supply in a supermarket like that prices rose and so it looks extraordinary i mean if you take the price increases on groceries just in the last 30 day measured period it would be the equivalent of groceries rising in cost over 60 percent year over year if you were to expect this to happen month after month over the next 12 months that's not the deal that's not happening and then a number of the things that have dropped significantly in price are creating enormous opportunity for you as a consumer 
if you are in a position where you're financially secure and you want to pick up deals, think about what I've talked about with vehicles. If it's appropriate for you to be looking at a new or used vehicle right now, I spent about 45 minutes yesterday looking at used vehicle prices. Uh, looking at, I looked at 12 different popular models, mostly SUVs, because that's so in right now, and then looked and compared as best I could figure out what those vehicles were as used vehicles a year ago. And the prices that I was able to find seemed somewhere around 15% lower for those equivalent vehicles. I mean, that's a massive move in a marketplace where a price movement of 1% or 2% is usually considered to be quite large. So there are areas that are going through waves of distortion right now. And a big expense is vehicles would be one. Number two, I've talked extensively about why housing is not moving in any appreciable way, which is normally people's biggest expense. Then other things are declining uh, by the biggest amounts ever. Clothing? My goodness, on Clark Deals... Dot com today we have a list of 60 plus retailers slash manufacturers that are disposing of clothing at unbelievable prices that essentially take a lot of new clothing that was designed for spring or summer down to prices that you might pay for used clothing i'm talking about a lot of clothing items being sold at single digit prices under 10 bucks because the market has collapsed. I follow what goes on on Woot.com, which is Amazon's clearance site, and they are buying clothing from manufacturers or stuff that retailers can't sell. And they're selling clothing at very, very cheap prices, not normally a priority at Woot, but it's just a signal, a sign of how inexpensive that is as a category. And there are so many different areas of items that you might consider buying that are extra inexpensive right now because demand for anything other than necessities has essentially fallen apart. I got a new pair of running shoes because I'm really into that you know, exercise. And I got a new pair of my favorite Sauconies for 28 bucks. that the last pair of them I bought was $65. And it's the same exact style of Saucony that I last paid 65 for. I got this time for 28 So you think about things that you might not need, but you want. That's where you're seeing incredible deals that will continue until manufacturers and retailers wear off inventory. Even if the economy stays slow for a period of time into the future, the greatest wave of deals look like they're going to be now through maybe midsummer is when you're going to see the inventory that was already in the pipeline before coronavirus there's going to have to be a process of the overhang of that inventory to wear it off. And that's why 
we have this cross current of ultra cheap falling prices on so many things and then other things like the groceries going up at numbers we haven't seen most of us in our lifetimes i want you to post questions for me at clark.com slash ask and then producers kim and joel are alternating asking your questions and kim who's up first on this show Today, up first is Jim from Connecticut. He says, my son will be a senior at college in Ohio. He signed a lease with five other roommates to rent a house for the upcoming school year. His landlord is now demanding that we pay the first semester's rent $5,000. We were waiting to see if school decides to have classes on premises or if they continue to hold classes virtually like they did this past semester. Are we entitled to continue to wait to see the school's decision? And can we get out of the lease if we aren't allowed to wait if they end up going virtual? Okay, great questions. And we're going to have this question about college in the fall, repeatedly different scenarios. Um, The California State University system, the largest in the country, made the decision yesterday to offer only online classes with minor exceptions for the fall semester. It's a very influential university system and will have impact on what private colleges and other state systems may choose to do. So it's a real question mark what's going to happen with colleges in the fall. The answer to your question, though, it's completely determined by the lease that the parent signed or the five students signed. It's probably the five parents signed. What happens? The landlord does not have the right to demand full payment for the full fall semester unless that's something that was covered in the lease. If the lease is a typical lease, says that this is the rent per month and each person owes this much per month, then that's the story and the landlord cannot accelerate that unless they have some kind of trick clause in the lease. Likely not. On the other hand, if the college goes that your child attends goes virtual for this fall semester, you don't have the right to walk away from the lease. It's not the landlord's responsibility that the school decided not to have in-person classes. If you're in a lease and the lease says the rent has to be paid, the rent has to be paid. So what happens if All of you want to abandon the lease. So that's determined by two things. The lease may have in it what happens if you break the lease, what penalties apply. If the lease is silent on it, it's governed by state law, and that will vary state to state. The most common thing that happens under state landlord-tenant laws is the rent is still due continually until the landlord is able to re-rent the property, that the landlord is due that money. So what you have to do if there's nothing in the lease is you negotiate a damages payment to the landlord and hope the landlord will work out some deal with you for a smaller penalty from each of the five rather than demanding the full rent for the full term of the lease. And I know that got really wonky and messy. Joel? 
Clark, Erica in Maryland says, I manage a store that sells musical instruments and accessories, new and used, and I was having trouble accessing PPP funding through our big bank. You mentioned on your show to go through PayPal or a a smaller bank, so I just did that. Well, Clark, we had funding in our account in four days, so our store will continue to survive this pandemic. Wanted to thank you for that advice. Okay, that's unbelievable. You went to, uh, it sounds like uh, she went to PayPal and the loan application processed almost immediately and had money in four days. That's extraordinary. And by the way, uh, the data shows that the big banks totally dissed Main Street, that the big banks were horrific in their behavior towards small American businesses. And not just the four giant monster mega banks. The next size of banks, what are known as the super regionals, so roughly the top 20 banks in the United States that account for probably about 80% of banking activity in the United States, all showed complete, utter, and total contempt for small businesses. If you were a small business person and you never really acted on what you've heard me say for years about how the big banks don't value you, don't care about you. Well, now when the chips are really down, you saw clear as day, you got to fire, fire those big banks. Find a small local bank or credit union that does small business banking and move on from these companies that pretend they care about you with their marketing, promotion, and advertising but actually don't care about you at all. On the PPP front, there's tons of PPP money still available from the second round. And if you are not sure the loan will work for you, as I said, I think as recently as yesterday, I said, go ahead and start the application process. If you fund really quickly on the loan and then later, when the rules are revised on loan forgiveness, if they don't work for your business and you don't want to have that loan on your books, you can pay it back, the amount plus 1% interest at an annual basis, almost back dollar for dollar, but you'll know you have the money if the loan forgiveness process works for you. Today's Clark Rave is one of those things that just shows the goodness in people. This is a story I saw in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and it's about a police officer who found out that a lot of kids in an area that he worked as an officer weren't doing any schoolwork because they had no computer, tablet, nothing to be able to do this online learning stuff that we're finishing out the school year with. He also found out that a lot of the kids in the area he was patrolling didn't have any internet access. So this guy, Keith Backman is the officer's name, on his own went out and bought a bunch of tablets and gave them to these children and paid for internet connections to get them through the end of the school year. So the kids could reconnect. I was talking to a friend who teaches in an elementary school and teaches fourth grade. And when they went 
to online learning, it's a school in a, in a low-income area, 85% of the students from her class vanished in the ether, never to be heard from again, because the families didn't have any money in order to be able to have internet, had no device for the kids to be able to do schoolwork, and so their year ended effectively the second that schools dismissed kids and went to online learning, which for these kids meant no learning, that this officer took money out of his own pocket, and, you know, police officers don't make a lot of money typically, and took care of these kids may change the path and the lives of many of these children. Good for him. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have. And when there's something that is as scary as coronavirus and so much about it is unknown, scientists are saying, hey, you know, we're learning as quick as we can, but this is a very difficult process to figure out the risk levels and how this is going to morph and all the rest, it is laid it wide open for con artists, liars, to post all kinds of phony baloney stuff, phony cures, um, phony treatments, and Facebook alone has warned that they have now found 50 million pieces of content just in 30 days, that were hogwash. 50 million. And I mean, I'm sure that's a small part of what's actually going on, which is uh, lies and fake stuff involving coronavirus. And so you got to be really, really cautious and careful. Something that hadn't been reported a lot, a number of government agencies, federal and state, have ended up being conned by crooks promising safety gear and a variety of other things for coronavirus treatment or care that have turned out to be just cons trying to steal money, either selling counterfeit goods or not selling goods at all trying to run off with money. So imagine for you and me is an individual trying to protect yourself, this is tough. So know, number one, that you should rely on real sources of information. And what are real sources of information? Public health organizations. The Centers for Disease Control, cdc.gov, is a great place to start. The CDC um, has not had a big profile with coronavirus. Uh, There are a number of factors that are procedural and political why the CDC has been in the background in the case of coronavirus, but the information they have is honest and they are willing to say when this is what we know and we don't know. And I know there's been a lot of political controversy concerning the WHO, the World Health Organization, The information that they are putting out for the public is very well written, very well thought out, and again, they are not 
promising stuff that they don't know. They're not saying things that they don't know empirically to be true. So those are two sources you can use. But taking at face value what you see on Facebook when people are talking about coronavirus, cures, treatments, whatever, um, ignore that stuff because Facebook is a great source for information. But information is not the same as truth or fact. And that's why you need to be very careful. Now, also, as I mentioned, consumers are being ripped off like crazy on people selling them stuff that is junk. And the Department of Homeland Security wants to know because they want to go after anybody selling counterfeits, medical supplies, uh, counterfeit meds, anything like that. And so with Operation Stolen Promise, they want you to email them at a simple address, which is, uh, where is that address? COVID19fraud at dhs.gov. That's COVID19fraud at dhs.gov. Because people are going to lose their lives to counterfeit remedies, counterfeit medicines, and that's just not acceptable. We got enough going on without your life being put at risk. This is way beyond just your wallet being taken. And we're alternating asking your questions that you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. And Kim, who's up? This is from Joe in Minnesota. He says, I purchased two concert tickets through Ticketmaster for an April 4th concert that has since been postponed. I challenged the charges on my credit card and they denied it. They told me, quote, we are not responsible for misrepresentations by third party merchants. This is not a bank issue, end quote. So all I can do is wait right now. Is that true? Uh, first of all, that's unbelievable. I have never heard of that being used as a ground for a chargeback being denied. That is so novel, I can't believe it. And if uh, the poster is willing to share the actual communication from the bank with us, I would love it if you or Joel would contact the bank and get an explanation from their media relations, because that is way out of bounds. No problem. Um, Number two, the problems with Ticketmaster have been much discussed on our show as well as elsewhere that this behemoth that rips people off with these massive fees when you buy tickets through them has changed its tune over and over again and has decided that they're going to play hardball with people now and not process refunds and this is inexcusable it's going to require action by uh, in the absence of action at the federal level it's going to require action by state attorneys general to go after Ticketmaster for what I consider to be absolute fraudulent activity on their part you know an event that did not happen in April was canceled it was not postponed and you deserve a refund And I'm really distressed 
for what happened with the credit card company. And I can't wait to hear if either if we're able to find any excuse from the bank why that's the language given back to you. So for now, I guess you have to wait till more public pressure is applied to Ticketmaster to do the right thing instead of doing the wrong thing. Joel? Clark Valletta in Oklahoma says, how do you apply for a position as a contact contact tracer for COVID-19? Thank you for asking this because this is going to be an area of opportunity for a lot of people that are unemployed. Uh, depending on how active a state is in contact tracing, this will lead to significant employment to modest employment, just depending on how each state implements, because we've chosen in the United States to do contact tracing um, under the auspices of each state instead of having a national system for doing so. So each state has its own hiring procedure. You're going to have to get on uh, get online and start searching. And I'd start at your state government website. And if you can't find it there, do a general Google or whatever search engine you use. Make sure that any results that you respond to are for things that are actually true state agencies that'll typically end .gov rather than something that looks like some UFO listing because there'll be phonies stepping into this area as well. Contact tracing has been very effective in other countries as a way when there's a breakout um, outbreak of coronavirus, finding the source quickly, tracing who that individual may have been in contact with to prevent wide community spread. And it's part of managing the disease over the next year or two till we have an effective treatment or a successful vaccine. Kim? Therese in Florida says, I live in Florida and no doubt you've probably heard about our unemployment system troubles. Right. I'm a full-time dental hygienist who now is only working part-time. I've been furloughed due to COVID. I registered through the system and the system, because it's faulty, denied me. They're working it out. My question is, when I finally get answers from the state of Florida, is the $600 weekly stimulus money retroactive? That is a great question and one that we've not been able to get a consistent answer to. The state should, in my opinion, Florida is so botched this, worse than any other state in the country, by far Florida has messed up on unemployment claim processing. And so because this is the state's fault and not your fault as an employee who's been laid off then partially brought back to work you should in my opinion receive the six hundred dollars retroactively because it only runs through july and it's not your fault that you've waited and waited and waited for the funds so even though the u.s department of labor regulations say the 600 bucks should be retroactive it doesn't mean the states are going to play it that way joel Clark David in Georgia says, I'm 65, retired, and waiting to take Social Security till age 70 in order to maximize benefits. I'm concerned, though, that with federal government spending the trillions of dollars for the COVID-19 relief, 
There may not be funds for Social Securities in five years, or benefits may be drastically reduced from today's levels. I don't have an urgent need for the funds now, but I really don't want to forfeit this benefit. So what do you think? Okay, so facts are facts, and Social Security and Medicare are both running out of money. It doesn't mean there will be no benefit, but it does mean that there's going to have to be changes in how the programs operate. In case of Social Security, if Congress did nothing, eventually the benefit all Social Security recipients would receive would be reduced by an amount over time, eventually, apparently, of about 25%. So a current benefit would be cut by that amount eventually. There is no chance politically that will happen. Eventually, Congress will be forced to pay attention to the financial problems of Medicare and Social Security, and there is no one solution to it. It will require a combination of increased Social Security and Medicare taxes, and it will require probably a delay in the eligibility age for full Social Security retirement. Age 62 is being able to take early Social Security will almost certainly continue to be available, but it'll be more of a haircut if you take it 62. And the benefit of waiting to age 70 will become less eventually um, as the full retirement age will almost certainly rise in any legislation Congress will end up adopting. So you trying to decide, like I am, I'm planning to wait to age 70 to take it. What's going to happen to us? I don't think there will be any impact in terms of whether it would have been a better idea to take Social Security today rather than waiting till age 70. This is something, it's a pool we're all in together, and the impact of compensation changes to Social Security recipients will filter down the same way regardless of when you choose to take it when you're in that band of 62 to 70. Ultimately, though, the earlier Congress acts to balance the books of Social Security and Medicare, the less overall impact there is on workers and taxes and employers and taxes and on benefits for recipients. Kim? Kimberly in Illinois says, I was planning on taking my great niece to the Bahamas for her graduation. What are your thoughts on us planning a trip for July? Is it safe to travel to the Bahamas? Will they let us in? Can we use an Airbnb? Those are a lot of questions to which there are not clear answers yet as to whether it's safe. You know, at this point, the Bahamas has been much less affected than we have been in the United States. So it would be safer as to whether the uh, Bahamians want to let people in. We're going to have to wait and see. Odds are they would. So this is one of those things that is really making a decision based on faith. If you were to choose to buy uh, airline travel now, You want to know what happens if you later decide, oops, this isn't a good idea to go. Would you use the value of that within the two years that most airlines are allowing you to reschedule using that money as like a gift certificate or gift card money? On the Airbnb, booking any Airbnb or any hotel 
you should only book a place that has a liberal policy on canceling for a full refund. And I consider liberal to be up to, for a resort destination like the Bahamas, up to 14 days before your scheduled arrival date. Don't book anything that your money becomes non-refundable way before you would take that trip. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you have a question for me, post it at Clark.com slash ask, and then producers Kim and Joel are asking your questions. And Joel, who do you have a question from? Clark, I got one from Mike in Georgia. He says, hey, Clark, this virus has made me realize that I need more income. I work a full-time job in the day, and I want to have a small internet home business to work at night. So do you have any suggestions if I've got 500 bucks as an investment to start my business? Where should I go? What should I do? Generally, your best part-time business that you would do from your home is based on the experience, education, training you already have. That a lot of times I find that people look to come up with something UFO to do as part-time income when the reality is what you already know and what you've already done is what you draw on to try to be able to do something to pick up extra income may not necessarily be something you do over the internet from home think in terms of what you know what you've done what you have uh, knowledge of over your lifetime that's where you should really be looking for opportunity failing all that we do have a list at clark.com of what we believe to be legitimate work at home opportunities that you can do over the internet They pay modest amounts of money equivalent per hour, but it is a source potentially of income. Kim? Daniel in Ohio wants to know your opinion of the Stash app. Stash is fine. Um, You know, there are a number of these apps that help you save some money. And, um, you know, eventually with several of them, you are investing money as well. Um, The question with any of these apps the monthly fee that you have to pay is it worth you paying for doing this but it allows you to invest automatically starting with just a buck and micro invest using your savings and the minimum cost to do this is 12 bucks a year this is the clark howard show Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.